ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. As the war in Gaza intensifies, protests across the world are growing larger and in some cases turning violent. Reports of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are also increasing here in Australia. Today, Chair in Global Islamic Politics at Deakin Uni, Greg Barton, on why the war is fueling a divide the Hamas terrorists would have hoped for. Greg, since the October the 7th terrorist attack, we've seen growing protests on the streets in big cities around the world. Bring, bring Palestine! 300,000 people turned out in London on the weekend. We've seen huge protests across America and we've had big protests here too, haven't we? We have. I mean, this is this is one of those rare moments in history when the whole planet is concerned about something and, and, and turning up to say something's got to change. One of our great democratic rights is to protest, but we have seen some violence, including at a protest in Caulfield in Melbourne's southeast, when a pro-Palestinian rally was held in an area with a large Jewish population. It was pretty concerning to see what happened there. That's right. And, and, and the protest organisers subsequently said they recognised it was a mistake to organise the protest in that location. It was not wise because they opened themselves up to these opportunistic outsiders coming in and causing trouble. And, and, and just for people with really charged emotions doing things which is not helping their cause. It came after a burger restaurant owned by a Palestinian Australian man was destroyed in a firebombing. Boiling point in Melbourne. CCTV vision appears to show a takeaway store in Caulfield broken into and set alight. Its pro-Palestinian owner and the rally organisers believe this was a hate crime. Some pro-Israel supporters had turned up there too, although police say there's currently no evidence suggesting the firebombing was politically or racially motivated. We can tell from from the situation there that this is a really, really sensitive time. Yeah, we're dealing broadly with with two communities who are directly affected by what's happening at the moment and both have these primordial senses of horrific memories for Jewish people, whether directly or indirectly connected. uh, There's this collective memory of the Holocaust. For Palestinians, there's a collective memory of the the Nakba, of being forced from their homes and, and the world being destroyed. The Muslim community globally is around 2 billion people, so that's, uh, you know, a quarter of the planet. Of course, the Jewish community is, is much, much smaller, but it's, it's uh, dispersed throughout the world, half living in Israel, the other half living in largely in Western democracies, particularly North America and, and the UK and significant community in Australia. 
and both sets of communities having these memories of horror and a feeling that the history is repeating itself and that something has to be done to stop that repetition of past horror. It's supercharged and for other people, um, most people turning up at rallies, uh, there's not that direct connection, but they're, they're seeing through social media and, and um, video feeds horrible suffering um, day on day, week on week, and feeling that this can't go on, it has to stop. Well, David Southwick, the MP representing Caulfield, he's really worried about anti-Jewish sentiment. Uh, that really did um, signal to the community that, hey, we're not even safe in our own backyard. And I've got to say at the moment, as a Jew, and I think that I, I never th thought that I would ever say this, that it is really tough to be a Jew at the moment. Uh, and of course, Talkback Radio has been full of people who've attended rallies, who've organised rallies that are really concerned by what they're seeing. My son was going into the city um, this week and he asked me if he is allowed to catch the tram and do I look Jewish? Palestinians have endured senseless violence at the hands of Israel and oppression for generations. I'm quite emotional about it. I'm not Jewish, I'm not Palestinian. Uh, but I'm going to support the Palestinians who do not have a voice. It's not that common, is it, to see protests of this size, to see emotions run so high? Well, in most respects, we're, we're back to 9-11, back in 2001 after the Al-Qaeda terrorist attacks. And, of course, that was, that was horrific and, and, and the, the, the global community responded with a sense of outrage at the terrorist acts and, and the victims in the US. But then as military actions began in Afghanistan and particularly as we tipped through 2002 into 2003, there was increasing talk of invading Iraq, toppling the regime of Saddam Hussein for reasons that were never clear at the time, were justified in terms of weapons of mass destruction allegedly present. Uh, some said this was to stop al-Qaeda having a presence in Iraq. As it turned out, the invasion opened the space for al-Qaeda, which became ISIS. Uh, and we saw massive protests at the time saying, let's, let's not carry out a military operation in Iraq. It makes no sense. It's not helping. <laughs> Police say it was one of Australia's biggest rallies. So great were the numbers that it took two hours after the procession began for those at the back to start moving. That was the biggest sort of spontaneous eruption of protest since perhaps the, the, the Vietnam War. And we saw similar protest against what was then seen to be senseless violence and horrible loss of civilian life. So we're, we're back in these sort of, you know, once in several decades moment when people say, this is madness. It can't make any sense. We have to stand up and, and speak out so that it stops. Greg, let's discuss the risks that come with this. ASIO, the intelligence body, has warned there is a heightened risk of violence. What would it be considering at this time? What would be its biggest concern right now? The, the primary concern is not hundreds of people in the street per se, mm -hmm. but a small number, dozens of people perhaps. There's a particular concern about neo-Nazis and, and other people associated with the far right. And of course, uh, neo-Nazis tend to be consistently anti-Semitic. But there's the potential for, you know, across the political spectrum, people acting in the name of defending Israel. And of course, we've had 
half a century of terrorism justified in the name of defending people of Palestine, um, you know, generally cynically and opportunistically. So there's, there's precedence for this, um, but we are talking about a small number of opportunistic extremists, not genuinely concerned about uh, broad human suffering and Palestinian cause or Israel, but just seeing a chance for mischief. Mm, so I guess the question is, how do governments at a state and federal level ensure we don't end up with the violence that ASIO is concerned about or some sort of, you know, civil unrest, remembering, of course, that the protests so far have been really peaceful? Well, I think the first thing is to remember that, that these these peaceful protests are part and parcel of an open society mm. and, and, and need to be defended. If we try and repress people's concerns, we end up with something much worse. Secondly, uh, and we've seen this with comments from police and agencies, Working with protest organisers, it's generally possible to minimise risk and de-conflict. I mean, the protest organisers are protesting, for, in by and large, protesting for peace. They don't, they don't want trouble uh, and they don't want their cause discredited. Uh, so being wise about working together to try and avoid, at least minimise the space for opportunistic outsiders to come in and cause trouble goes a long way to minimising the risk. Anthony Albanese has also pointed out that politicians need to be mindful of their language, that they have a responsibility not to politicise matters. It is vital at this time that people in positions of leadership exercise, exercise that leadership in a responsible way Order. and seek Prime to Minister's bring people time together. And we saw from Penny Wong's call for steps towards a ceasefire how sensitive it is. What I would say is we all want to take the next steps towards a ceasefire, but it cannot be one-sided. Uh, Hamas still holds hostages. Hamas is still attacking Israel. That infuriated Jewish groups. How important, Greg, is language? Well, I think the choice of words is really important. So the problem for many people with a call for ceasefires, it's saying, let's stop everything and not deal with Hamas. And, you know, some people are worried it would mean that the hostages wouldn't be returned, but certainly that Hamas's military and political power in the Gaza Strip wouldn't be neutralised. On the other hand, it's clear that blockading the Gaza Strip in the way that it's being done is leading to lots of direct and indirect suffering. No diesel going in means there's no electricity for intensive care wards and for 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 babies and incubators. That's dreadful. So the idea of at least pausing the conflict so there can be some sort of humanitarian deliveries of, of, of necessary aid for civilians is really important. But the way that that's expressed is hypersensitive at the moment. What has happened the last five weeks is clearly not sustainable. The, the loss of life is of such a scale and seemingly so unnecessary that people are saying, well, let's not keep repeating the madness. ASIO is obviously concerned, but Greg, how worried do you think we should be as this war goes on, not only, of course, about what we're seeing in this war, but what's happening here, the effect it's having on Australians? 
I think we need to take this really, really seriously because the the worst case scenarios are, are truly horrible. So anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish hate acts have increased, but also Islamophobic hate acts have increased. So if you're wearing a hijab and are visibly Muslim, there are many, many cases of people reporting uh, increased hostility. Many people who are, you know, are visibly Jewish, perhaps because of wearing a Star of David or just because of physical appearance otherwise, uh, report of being afraid to go to their campus or go to the workplace or go out. And that's just unacceptable. And, and our political leaders um, across the spectrum are calling this out, and that's important, just speaking it, about it and, and identifying its importance. Uh, we saw how the 9-11 attacks and our response to them changed the world and did a lot of damage, much of it which was caused by responses which we where we didn't anticipate the consequences. I, I think there's a growing sense of lack of confidence in, in Western democracy and Western democratic leadership, and that's disastrous because if we lose that sense of trust, it, it's going to be very hard to work together to find solutions. This is a, a, a really sort of critical point. Of course, in terms of military operations, it's all too possible that what's largely confined to the Gaza Strip could become a regional conflagration and then well, then the results are, 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 are truly horrible. But even leaving that aside, just the possibility of uh, extremist elements acting in small groups to, to carry out violent attacks is an immediate consequence in itself. It's a really critical juncture. Mm, do you think we've learnt anything from 9-11? I think we have, but we sort of have to hang on to that, that lesson. The, the lesson from 9-11 is that terrorists only have real effect when they can provoke a response to d- divide, to, to drive a wedge. What was Hamas trying to achieve with that provocative terrorist attack on October 7th? What response did they want and what are we giving them? And I think the danger is that we're giving them exactly what they want. They, they want us to react with anger in a way which drives a wedge through communities and strengthens a cycle of recruitment so that even if they lose a large number of their force strength, they end up recruiting a new generation. I think we recognise this. People who follow these events understand this. And yet we're in danger of having this pushed aside in in just a rush of emotion. Greg Barton is the chair of global Islamic politics at Deakin University. We last covered the Israel-Gaza war on Monday in our episode, Has Israel Gone Too Far? That's in your feed. This episode was produced by Bridget Fitzgerald, Anna John and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.